0: your troubles are mountain in tax or accounting. You go to Cruise, Founders and Friends. It's Cruise Consulting. Founders and Friends with your host, Scotty. Hall. Welcome to Founders and Friends podcast with Scott Warren at Cruise Consulting. And before we get to just a fantastic podcast with David Bergeron of T3 Advisors, quick shout out to our friends at Rippling. Rippling makes the best payroll software, the best benefit software, and they've got a really cool IT interface that allows you to spin up new employees. So you provision their accounts and they can plug in all to their web services right away. You don't have to spend like three hours like we used to doing that. The, do you guys do that, David? Do you guys do it all manually and like set everyone's accounts up? Oh, well,
1: of course we do. Yeah, old school. Yeah. So Rippling solves that.
0: It will save you a crazy amount of money Check it out, it's a great service. And again, their payroll and and benefits are great. One thing about their benefits I really like is they let you work with independent benefits brokers. So those people are really hungry to get you a good deal. So so check it out, Ripley. Also shout out to the Cruise Tax team. They're doing a ton of hard work right now. We're right in the middle of tax season. So shout out to Cruise Tax. And now, welcome David Bergeron.
1: Thank you for having me, Scott. It's good to see you. This is a three-time guest moment right here. This
0: is a pretty big deal. There we go,
1: go. the three-peat, the three-peat, me and MJ. (laughs)
0: <laughs> so do you want to give in just your quick background you've been on the podcast. this is your third time but for those who didn't listen the first two can you just tell them who you are and, and where you work
1: yes yes well first of all shame on them for not listening the first two times but exactly. yeah my name is david bergeron i'm the president of t3 advisors i'm the father of two uh i've got a beautiful wife uh you know so but we we run a company uh at t3 that that works with High growth companies trying to think about real estate and workplace in an entirely new way, and and I think we've been at this for almost twenty years. We work, you know, all across the globe on behalf of clients. We've got you know folks in offices uh, in New York, Boston, um, and throughout California. You know, kind of love this type of conversation with folks like you, Scott. Given the perspective that you have with so many um, sort of exciting and high growth clients as well, that. Um, I think our worlds match really well for, for conversations like this. So I'm really, really excited to be here today. And thanks for having me on again.
0: Yeah, no, and you've given really great advice in the previous podcast. And then often we talk when we're not on, not recording as well. And it's really helpful. And I've just seen the kind of impact that T3 has in the startup space. And and you also work with much bigger companies, like the, the big, big tech companies. But yeah. in our world, you're still you know a big player and it's great to have you on the pod. So the first and we we kind of sketched out an outline before we got on, but the, the first thing was just how how the heck, we're in the middle of COVID, how the heck are businesses, startups going to be using space going forward? Like what's gonna happen?
1: That's the you know. question right now is, is what does the future of real estate commercial specifically look like on a go forward basis? And, and I'll sort of, we'll sort of obviously kind of caveat a lot of this uh, around what we'll talk about today for uh, technology companies, right? So it's, it really is, uh, we're not talking, you know, retail, we're not going to be talking um, a lot of traditional, you know, brick and mortar manufacturing restaurants. I think the, the conversation in our perspective is very much in line with you know high growth, venture-backed, and publicly traded, life science and/or you know software companies. So for that category of of folks, I think there's there's kind of two things that are happening right now. One, you have this, you know, everyone keeps talking about like the you know, the greatest experiment of all time, you know, with this whole work from home element that we're all being forced into today. And that's wildly interesting for a lot of reasons. There's a lot of interesting survey data coming back around. How that's either working or not working. And I think should inform a lot of the go forward strategies for for these companies as they as they map out the value workplace can either play or not play in the future state of yeah. the companies.
0: Well, you know what's interesting you said was it's there's survey data saying it's working and not working. I haven't heard anyone say it's not working, mm-hmm. with the exception of childcare, yeah. which is really tough for everybody. And so it feels to me like in the future, when people have access to childcare, when things kind of normalize a little bit, that takes care of the biggest problem that people working at home are feeling. Yeah. I mean, is that what you're seeing? Or what, what yeah. examples are you hearing that's not working?
1: We, we're running our own surveys <clears throat> internally with a bunch of clients um, to, to gauge feedback and sentiment. Um, and we're trying to do it on sort of a longitudinal basis to say, you know, after four weeks in quarantine, mm-hmm. how are you feeling? After eight weeks that's in quarantine, cool. how are you feeling? After 12 weeks in quarantine, how much are you drinking? You know, so these are like, you know, we're kind of having these conversations along the way with folks to understand how how this is or is not working. And, and I will say overall, you're correct that it's not surprising that the highest corollary to happiness when it comes to work as a variable for any employee is commute time. And right now, no yeah. one has any commute. And so more so than, you know, title or product you work on or pay, Not having to get in your car or battle, you know, up 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 a freeway or on public transportation right now, is a gift that everyone has been given. And so I think that is that matters, you know. And you're seeing that from I think a real positive trend perspective. On the flip side, to your point, the challenge with this experiment is that it's it's flawed. Like there's no school, there's no camps, there's no like we can't have you know house cleaners come. You can't have your friends come over. You can't have your buddy go to you know, your kids go to their friend's house to play, which is, I think, creating like a very um, like artificial state of reality that hopefully will not be our go for norm. And I think it's also misrepresentative of what it will be like to work from home once things sort of unlock and we have, you know, we sort of solve the the health aspect. So there's, there's a lot of, I think, confusing data. To sort of finish the comment, I think that there's a lot of people that really dislike working from home. And we're seeing that in almost every survey and it it changes. It can be anywhere from 10% to 40% of a population that for, for any number of reasons do not enjoy or do not find themselves more productive at home. And I think that's okay. And I think what, what, what we take from this is it's not a binary all or nothing. Like you, like the best thing to do is have everyone come back or the best thing to do is everyone work from home. I think what you're going to start seeing as, as, as a shift is the companies that are progressive enough to say, it's not all about like solving for a population of engineers or solving for a population of sales folks or customer support folks, categorically based on the department, like we've done historically. say, oh, the sales team can work remote. That's okay. Engineers, you all got to come here and, and you know, code next to each other. I think that's sort of blown the lid off of this at some level. Oh, those expectations now are going to be on the individual level. Like Scott, you know, is fortunate to have like the resources and the support and the, the Wi-Fi and, you know, like the means to work productively at home, he's going to choose to work from home. But, you know, I may be a 25 year old, you know, uh, customer support person working in San Francisco and I live with four roommates and we have nowhere to go and work and our internet's crap. And like, we don't have air conditioning. And like, I just want to get back to the office for like, reprieve from the heat and and actually get in a room that's quiet and actually you know be able to not drop my zoom calls every 14 seconds you know so like and that's that's a very realistic problem that like we we need to be aware of and like sort of allow this to either be working great for folks which is awesome and not working great for others there's there's things even outside of the traditional work stuff that people need to get out of the house for and those could be health reasons I mean, those could be domestic violence reasons. Like there's all kinds of stuff that we don't know what's happening behind the curtain that could be really, really important for us to get these people back and get them out and give them an option outside of just being stuck at home. And, you know,
0: so you need both. So do you think that's going to be kind of a lazy fair, you know, hey, we've got an office and if you want to come to the office, you're welcome to. But if you also want to work at home and. And and but I can also see clicks developing that way. It's it's really tough. I don't know what the right
1: answer is here. My hope is it's not a laissez-faire approach. I think that it needs to be deliberate. And if it's not deliberate, it's going to be completely unwieldy. And to your point, like it becomes Lord of the Flies style. Like it's not gonna it's not gonna you know. And so I think what my hope is is that if we're deliberate with like solving for the individual, and you come up with sort of a game plan for each person. And then sort of map that to the number of folks that you know 100% of the time wanna work from home. You're gonna have another percentage of your population that wants to work 100% in the office or have the availability to work in the office. And then you're gonna have this hybrid population of like, yeah, I'd love to work from home a couple days a week, but I also wanna come in two or three days a week as well. Great, now we can sort of start to take a look at our space and say, all right, we currently have you know 10,000 square feet and I have a population of X. And based on like now the new expected sort of use case for our, our current employee base, now we're gonna have a utilization rate that is different than it was before. Whereas we used to sort of carry a seat per person and, you know, think about having, you know, some some like cozy seating for them to go like relax on and a phone booth to have a call and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, stuff. I think that's now gonna be rethought and you're gonna have hopefully less people overall come to your office. But you're also gonna have to remember we're gonna need at least for the next year or two more space and and de-densifying the number of desks in our space in our spaces because of yeah, you know yeah. the social distancing sort of like requirements and and norms that will be put on so that'll also factor in as a variable to, to how much space you do and don't need on a go forward basis and then the final piece of this you could even see people kind of running like shifts or like all right the green team comes in you know every you know monday wednesday friday and the blue team comes in every tuesday thursday and depending on who and how is sort of staffed accordingly, what, you, what you're what you trying to solve for is, like, you want to minimize your max capacity number at any point in time. Like, if I have 100 employees, I'd like to design it such that, like, I never have more than 60 ever in the office at once, which means yep. then I can kind of keep my square footage down and not actually account for, like, the unknown that – what if everyone shows up on Thursday? we got to make sure we have the facilities yeah. that come out with that. And, like, you and I know, that like – no company ever has everyone show up every day. And so like you're constantly living in this like inefficient world of 20 to 40% of most office spaces are just completely unused on a daily basis, even though we're like out of space, quote unquote, you know? And so I think this helps a lot of those efficiencies and being more deliberate and thoughtful and like plan around how people can use the space ultimately will save people money.
0: Well, and you made a great point about de-densifying, which I hadn't really thought of, but you're right. Like people need to be have more distance. Like I'm just reflecting back on our old office in downtown San Francisco. Like we we packed it in. We had like 28 people in that office, and it was a, it was comfortable. It was fine, but like it it wasn't for a COVID world. No. Yeah, no. like people would you I could we could have probably fit. Eighteen mm-hmm. people, yeah, at office. Yeah, let's be, world. let's be clear. You were running a sweatshop there, so that's I think number one. Uh,
1: number two, <laughs>
0: it was sweaty because there was no air conditioning on certain days. Go,
1: so <laughs> no, anyways. no, that was that was a gorgeous office. I'll get it aside. But but you're right, and I think everyone's going to have to think about this. You know, if you had a space that could initially accommodate thirty when we had four foot desks and we were all, you know, packed in next to each other, which by the way, a lot of people enjoy, like there was a lot of energy. There's You can sort of yeah. feed off the, like the vibe and the momentum. And like, you hear a lot of like, you know, just good stuff happening around you, which again, you know, there's a bunch of studies that show, you know, productivity by sitting next to someone who is productive and efficient by just being next to them can increase your productivity by, you know, 10 to 15%, you know? So like, that's a real thing that like is now I'm losing sitting here at home yep. with no one next to me except like this blank wall trying to like i'm not inspired by that you know and so i'm much more inspired by being next to scott when he's you know getting stuff done and i can you know i can i can feed off that energy so like there are considerations here that i think are in play that like we're going to de-densify you're gonna have to be further apart we're going to take conference rooms that used to accommodate an eight person you know meeting and it's now going to be four or three or less wow. you know phone, know that phone, yeah. phone booths like you know, like, like the clean, like the cleaning procedures for like, you're in the phone booth doing a podcast for, you know, 45 minutes, and then you finish. And now I'm going to go in. Well, how are we going to clean that to ensure that, you know, we're not passing, you know, any sort of germs back and forth. So there's a lot of, like, I think, very important, critical considerations that, you know, if we're going to go back, when we go back, people just need to be really thoughtful of. And I think that, the best way to the best way to experience this there's a ton of stuff you can read like infinite amounts of resources and sort of hypothesis online and twitter and otherwise i'm sure a number of uh, you know the listeners have already have already read and, and heard to me that's all like interesting and sort of academic and theor- theoretical i think what you need to do is like step back think about your own company your own office and i'd encourage you to like write the narrative a day in the life of scott and think about okay i wake up i make my coffee I take a shower. How do I get to the office? Am I taking Caltrain? Am I walking? Am I jumping in an Uber? Is that all still possible? You know, I get to my building. Do I touch the elevator button? Do I get in the elevator with 10 people, with three people by myself? I get to my space. Like, how do I check in? Do I I wipe down a service when I get there? Where do I put my book bag that now may, you know, be contaminated? Where do I, you know, there's just all these. And so if you really, what you should do is just write the narrative of like, how does this need to go for us to maintain a level of cleanliness and and confidence for the other employees in the office? Because the, the other aspect of this is like sort of the mental warfare that will be coming back, like thinking about yeah. and dealing with the sort of like the fear of whether it's my own personal health or I live with my grandmother and I just don't want to like have someone infect me or infect anything else that I'm associated with. And then I take that back to my house, God forbid. So the stakes are really high and people need to take this really seriously and be diligent about do that narrative, do that day in the life and think about all of the kind of like inflection points you need to solve for, you know, in that end user experience for your team when you come back.
0: Yeah. And I think that narrative idea is a really good one because you're, you're empathizing with your team, you know, and like you, you talked about it early in the podcast where you said that commutes are a source of major stress for people. Well, all of a sudden, we're commuting in like uh, the COVID era, where yeah. it's like probably ten times more stressful. You yeah. know, like I would be on Bart or the bus, and someone would cough on me all the time. Yeah, that's just like infinitely more stressful. And your your point about bringing something home to your grandma yeah. or your parents or you know your kid, who then affects other people, is such a great point. So yeah. on, it sounds like on reentry, like maybe maybe transition to that because you covered some of it. But I do, I told you I was in a, a CEO group. On Wednesday, and all anyone wanted to talk about was like, how do we do reentry? Right. like are we are we in danger of getting sued? How do we handle someone who just doesn't want to come back to work? like what do like how are you advising your clients on that yeah i mean it's it's all on the table right now i think
1: in terms of like how to think about this and yeah all these all these points you just brought up are all very important and key points you know that everyone needs to be thinking about like step one is like create a task force within your team to think about re-entry and there's a bunch of good best practices going around um, the state of Colorado published something that I can share with you, Scott. Like a couple weeks ago, the state of California actually came out with some, you know, some best practices around reentry, office reentry. You know that they're also sharing. So you're seeing some, you know, some folks lead on this. You know, at the at the state and federal level. Which, by the way, what we need. Like we need some galvanized best practices that everyone's subscribing to. To yeah. leave it to every employer, to every startup CEO to figure this out. Like that's not what they do. They have no idea how to do that. Like that's what this is the wrong audience to be asking to solve like a, like a health yeah. pandemic crisis and reentry like this is yeah. so we need to be really careful not to expect our executives to be superheroes when it comes to this and
0: well, I just went through that on the finance side with the PVP and cares yeah. act and it was torture and incredibly stressful like we should not be, I agree the government needs to provide that guidance right That was not a good situation when the government didn't provide guidance on SBA and the CARES Act. So no, let's let's do this one right, folks. We need to.
1: I think being sort of open up the top of your funnel of information as wide as possible. You know, have a task force that's taking, you know, all of the, you know, anecdotal things they're hearing about their friends or their spouse's company and what they're doing and kind of use hopefully kind of group think to get you to a place of, you know, some level of confidence on how to go about this. You know, again, I think there's. There's like the the densifying you know, considerations. There are um, like partial remote workers, right? So, you know, how is that going to look for you and your team? You know, there's visitor policies. Do you allow visitors to come? Do you allow guests to come? What does that look like? I think you mentioned the public transportation considerations, which are going to be really important. You know, what we're finding is like really the communication aspect. This is also critical, you know, so talk to your team about this now. Make sure you're messaging that, like, we have created a task force to look at this, and we're we're gathering yeah. as much data as we can. Be honest and transparent that we don't have all the answers. We we should we shouldn't be expected to have all the answers. So don't you know don't think that we've got this figured out. But trust and and believe that we are highly aware and acute and empathetic to this, and we are doing the best we can. And we will keep you as our teammates updated on all the new information we're gathering to ensure this goes as well as possible for all of us. You know, I think all these aspects are important and, and, and it's going to be hard because I think the colleague of mine uh, recently was, was on another um, webinar and sort of shared this parallel, which I thought was really good. The same way right now you're experiencing, you know, you're, you're in your house, you're, you're with your family, you know, it's, it's, it's stressful because you're working from home and everything, you know, and the macro side is sort of like up in the air a little bit right now, but like you can kind of like relax at your house and sort of like let your guard down. And then you get ready to go to Trader Joe's or Whole Foods or wherever it may be to grab your groceries once a week or whatever it may be. And you kind of like mount up a little bit. Like you put the suit on and like yeah. Yeah, put the mask and the gloves and you kind of like you kind of like tune in and you go to the store and you're aware of all this stuff. And you know, you get home and you know, scrub it all down and you know, whatever, you know, wash your hands and then you kind of like kind of relax again and let your guard down. People need to remember that like when you go to your office, you you then it's not your house you can't let your guard down the same way you can around when you go home. So it's not just about like getting on BART and getting up the elevator in, and like once you're in the space, you're now safe because now you're in a space with 30 or 50 other people that all, unless people are really treating the same way we treat how we experience, you know, each other at Trader Joe's, it's not going to work. And so it's, and that's, that's not going to be easy and that's going to cause, you know, I think this to be hard for folks and emotionally sort of draining. And so being thoughtful, of like how That's long great, should we okay. expect people to come back? The office. Maybe we start with half days, come back for four hours. Let's like phase in this a little bit, experience that, kind of start to get used to it, understand the routines, kind of reduce like the temperature in the room in terms of stress around this topic because it's new for all of us and it's going to be scary because yeah. the stakes are high.
0: I totally, and I love that idea of like baby steps, getting people yeah. back in for four hours. That's so smart. Yeah. The other thing I was going to say was, I was i had been thinking of reentry, the like the downside like if things went really wrong about like maybe litigation or something yeah. like that but you know the other thing that occurred to me on wednesday when i was talking to my group was say say you have most of your team in one one office room like if if covid whips through your office like your business kind of isn't functional for right this is best case scenario like people get better in two or three weeks, but like, and you might might have some, some really tragic things happen, but right. I feel like there needs to be some emergency planning or contingency planning, or even just risk mitigation with how often you let people come in. You know, just, just oh, yeah. I don't wanna be, I don't wanna scare people or be too paranoid myself, but that prospect of like your company just not being functional for a while yep. is, is scary in itself.
1: I agree, which is why I think that, and sort of, I'll, I'll sort of touch on the, the first part of your comment around sort of like the, the exposure and litigation aspects i think i think you're right that's a, obviously a, a like we are in uncharted territory in terms of what does this mean from a liability perspective for me as an employer you know and as a person who's you know who's responsible for ensuring the safety and the protection of my employees like one of my core you know commitments to them i don't want to let them down and and yes there's a risk of me getting sued which is obviously bad but more importantly i don't want them to get sick and i don't want their, them to get yeah. their family sick like that's what i yeah. care about most and so all the more reason to like do, take this stuff seriously. Come up with a plan. Do the task force. Write your narrative. Just slowly phase people back. Like start with a small batch of your population. Ten percent of the people will come back. Start with that. Let's test it. Let's learn from that. We'll screw something up, undoubtedly at the beginning. Have conversations with your landlord. Are we updating our filters on the air on, on the on the air filtration circulation perspective? You know what are we doing to get people up and down the elevator? Like make sure we're coordinated if we're in a multi tenanted building on how this is going to work and everyone's educated. And then communicate that. I think again, like the more we can be telling people what we're doing, aware of what's going to change, set expectations accordingly. I think that really makes this like infinitely smoother. And then and then even companies, I mean, we're seeing this now. I mean, they're gonna say, Listen, we don't know what's gonna happen. We're not gonna force you to come back to the office. For those that really do or, or or have a you know have circumstances that they they kind of need to come back, also a mutual waiver. Hey, sign this waiver to say, like, we're doing the best we can, but I can't promise that this office will be perfectly safe based on what we don't know today. Are you are you yeah. okay opting into that as the employee and the employer? And again, yeah. I'm not a lawyer, so I don't want to like, you know, like like profess that like that will you know protect you from future litigation. But at least it's like, I'm recognizing that I'm not, I'm flawed, I'm not perfect as your employer. I'm doing yeah. the best I can. But if I, if we do unfortunately have an outbreak, like just know that here's all the stuff we communicate and what we're doing, and we did our best so you know please don't sue me i mean you know so yeah i think all yeah. of these things are are you know kind of common sense at, at some level but you know i think a lot of people are fearful to take action or be proactive about this because they really want to make sure they've got it fully baked out and sort of the perfect answer
0: and i i think that's a mistake
1: i think you need to get ahead of this you know and be you know communications earlier than than later
0: i totally agree and that that waiver and maybe it's not even a waiver maybe it's just like written notification, right. just letting people know all the good things you've done because you're trying your hardest to keep people yeah. healthy. I think that's a really great point you make. Yeah. So we got to wrap up in here yeah. a second, but on your last podcast with me, you talked about how T3 and, and your team is doing these big, awesome reports on other markets besides like the Bay Area yeah. or New York, or, or places that people can you know, work remotely or build a team remotely mm-hmm. if you're one of those cities. So, so I was thinking about that today when I was prepping for the interview because I'm like, oh my God, David was like two years ahead of the world here. So maybe you can talk about that initiative and how that's working. And is it like yeah. really caught on fire now? Yeah. Like people must really want that research. Yeah.
1: Uh, I mean, short answer is yeah. It's it's this is this has only accelerated what was like already a, a trend for all the right reasons. You know, I think that you're you're continuing to find people challenged by living in the incredibly high cost. You know mega markets of new york and, and san francisco and otherwise and i think that what you're finding is there are unbelievably talented people all throughout this country they they believe and want to participate in like this like the internet's technology software movement that is the future of our economy and they're you know they're 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 trying to be found and identified and brought into sort of the fold and so I think that 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 trend has only only been accelerated by this with now people I think you know using this as like a moment in time to if I was gonna make a change or move or kind of uproot my family a lot of that's gonna happen you know over the next 12 months. I think companies with this you know with like the sort of like complete reevaluation of real estate on a go forward basis we're now able to think about hiring people, opening offices in other markets that we may have been a little, you know, mm-hmm. hesitant to do initially and just like the, you know, I think proliferation of of work from home, remote work is now being not just a nice to have or an optional but in my opinion mandatory if you're going to try and, you know, continue to maintain top talent at your company, you have to do this. It's now no longer a choice. It's now going to be a, a minimum requirement to Hire the best of the best. You're going to have to offer this at some level and offer it in a way that's compelling. Otherwise, some other employer will, and you will not hold on to your best people.
0: So yeah. I think. And what I love about those research projects you you were doing was like, say your interest. I'm just going to make this up, but say someone needs to hire a build a sales office yep. somewhere. And I'm in- I'm making this up, but like it turns out Phoenix yep. is the best place on earth for a sales team, yep. or maybe it's a, de- a development team, and it turns out that Salt Lake. Is the but be- I just thought that kind of level yeah. of granularity where you guys could give scattering reports on cities and states was just so powerful, yeah. and it just to me it's like oh my gosh because now you're right those 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 demographics those people are still in those locations yeah. now they just work from home or they have yeah. a satellite office a smaller satellite office and it feels like it's kind of the mentality has been de-risked like if you're running a bigger company you're going to be more comfortable doing that and running that experiment. Than you would have pre-COVID, I would think.
1: Absolutely, and 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 the costs are real. I mean, you know, it's it, people sometimes get fixated on like, oh, is the price of commercial real estate cheaper in Salt Lake City than it is San Francisco? Well, yes. Number one, it is absolutely. But but more importantly, the price of labor is is less expensive. And so when you think about this, it's it, it needs to be led with talent. And the talent is what drives both the productivity and the gains in your business, which is like the top line focus that you want to have. And then in addition to that, you're going to find, you know, talent that's like going to be a more loyal and B costs significantly less. And we're seeing some of these cities when you compare it to the Bay area in particular, you know, you can have all in um, sort of discounts up to 40 or 50% still within like domestic United States, you know, and, and parts of Canada. And I mean, if you can chop that literally, you know, down by 30, 40 or 50%, like that buys you another, 12 to 18 months of venture runway. I mean, you know, if you can if you can take yeah, that money exactly. and sort of amortize out. So there there are huge, huge advantages to those companies that get ahead of this and, and, and push hard now. And we're helping, you know, be like really data driven around the selection of that, because historically it's been sort of an emotional like, uh, I like to ski. So we'll go to Salt Lake or I got a buddy who is in Denver. So we'll just open a Denver office like and like not to say that can't still lead to good outcomes but like you may be leaving another 25% on the table of cost savings for an equal or better talent pool if you were willing to consider you know St. Louis, Missouri or Houston or what you know the other you know kind of city that may not initially like hit your radar so we're finding that to be you know a really I think productive process to run people through
0: i love it you use the word deliberate early in the podcast when making your kind of the narrative and the checklist yeah. and the decisions on one reentry. The same decision on what cities to relocate yep. or t- is deliberate. Is what I kind of right. hear you like. Instead of doing the the hey, I like to ski, that's I'm to right. Salt Lake. That's right. You know, that, that's really the takeaway. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, hey man, this this has been fantastic. You have so much good information, so much good advice. Really appreciate it. Now, yeah. um, David Bergeron T3. Maybe you can tell everyone where they can reach out to you or yep. your webpage. Yep, yep.
1: So you can just find us at t3advisors.com. Uh, we have a bunch of resources, actually COVID-19 resources, on there. So if you if you need other stuff around, you know, reentry checklists or discussions with your landlords around, you know, rent deferment or you know, all sorts of tools that we're we're continuing to update daily. There, um, please check that out. Re- you can you can reach out to me at just Bergeron at T3 Advisors. Um, so shoot me an email, um, and I'm instantly findable on all of the social web locations around, you know, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, et cetera. So uh, but, Scott, this, is a, this has been amazing to connect with you again. It's good to see you and see that you're happy and healthy and the family's good. And as always, I appreciate uh, the conversation and thanks for the time.
0: Uh, thanks, man. Appreciate it. Three time, three time appearance. This, this is, does not happen very rarely. That's so right. It's, that's right. It's just, what a great guest you are. So I thanks, appreciate it. We'll take care of We'll do. Goodbye. So, when your troubles are mountain, in tax or accounting, you go to crime. friends with your host Scotty Ong oh, oh.